Well, happy Easter, everybody. Let's pray as we get set once again to open the Word of God. Our Father in heaven, what a joy. What a joy it is to know that Jesus is risen. That in your power, you broke the bonds of death and raised your son from the grave. And because that's true, we know that death for us has been defeated. We know that one day we too will be raised physically. Lord, you are great. And we praise your holy name this morning for all that you have done. Help us now, Lord, as we open your word to hear your voice, to listen appropriately, and then, Lord, to be doers of your word. We pray these things in the mighty, powerful, saving name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, it is a highly significant thing that Jesus was raised in a physical body on this earth. The resurrection of Jesus didn't take place up in heaven. It took place on this earth, on this material earth that you and I dwell on right now. When God wanted to show the universe that he had defeated death, the arena that he chose for that climactic moment was this earth. And that is a tremendously significant thing. It is also of massive and huge importance for us to realize that the risen body of Jesus had obvious and had real continuity with the body that had been crucified and laid in the tomb. His risen body was not a brand new body altogether. No, there was the physical body of Jesus that had been laid in the tomb after the crucifixion. And on Sunday, they discovered that the same physical body was absent. The tomb was empty. The body had been lying there. But on Sunday, they discovered that that same body was gone. Well, what happened? In simple terms crucified Jesus had become resurrected Jesus. Crucified body had become resurrected body. There is an obvious and direct continuity between crucified Jesus and the resurrected Jesus. It's the same Jesus. It's just that the risen Jesus is now glorious and changed from what he was. But there's continuity, there's continuity. The nail marks on his hands and the wound in the torso that had been made on Good Friday, those things were still there on Easter Sunday. There's continuity between the crucified Jesus and the risen Jesus. And Mary and Peter and Thomas and others recognized the risen Jesus as the same person that they had been in relationship with before his death. Again, continuity. This Jesus raised on the earth 
was the same Jesus who had been crucified. And the risen Jesus remained physical. Physical, like he had been in the days past. Before Easter, Jesus had been a material, corporeal being. And now after he was raised, he still walked, he still talked. And Matthew tells us that the women took hold of his feet in Matthew 28, verse 9. They grabbed the physical feet of the risen Jesus. And the risen Jesus also shows, doesn't he? He shows his physical hands and his side to the disciples. He also makes a material breakfast for them. And he shares with them that material breakfast that he had prepared. And Jesus says, listen to what he says in Luke 24, 39. He says, this is the risen Jesus speaking. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me, he says, and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. The risen Jesus was still a very physical man on a very physical earth. There was an obvious continuity between the man who had been crucified and the man who was now risen. And yet, and yet, a mind-blowing, wonder-inducing transformation had happened to Jesus. There was also real discontinuity between the pre-Easter Jesus and the risen Jesus. For example, in his risen body, he had the ability to materialize, to appear suddenly, even in a room that had been locked from the outside. John 20 verse 26 says this, Although the doors were locked, the risen Jesus came and stood among them. The risen body of Jesus was what Philippians 3.21 calls a glorious body. A glorious body. Now, Jesus had abilities on the earth in his risen body that no one had ever seen before. And it's also worth pondering, isn't it, that at times in his risen body, at times, even his closest friends did not recognize him. Sometimes they did, but not always. Mary had mistaken Jesus, the risen Jesus, for the gardener. And another time, the disciples didn't recognize the risen Jesus as he stood there on the shore. There was something, on one hand, very recognizable about him, but now he's risen, there's something unrecognizable about him as well. There was continuity between what Jesus had been, but also discontinuity. Now, on this Resurrection Sunday, I want us to marvel together. That's what we should be doing on Easter Sunday is marveling. I want us to marvel together, to get very hopeful 
together. As we consider a couple of uh, very interesting terms, I think, that the New Testament uses to describe the risen Jesus. First of all, Colossians 1.18 and also Revelation 1 verse 5 say that the risen Jesus is, listen to the term, the firstborn of the dead. The firstborn of the dead. That term firstborn implies or it suggests that there may be a second born and a third born and a fourth, fifth, sixth, one millionth born of the dead. Jesus won't be the only one risen to life. He is the firstborn. And then similarly in 1 Corinthians 15, the risen Christ is called the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits. That is to say that the risen Jesus is the initial fruit of the season. The first fruits. But there is a wider harvest of resurrection that is expected to happen. And Jesus promised this wider resurrection, in fact. In John 5.25, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming. We talked about the hour on Good Friday. An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And then three verses later, Jesus says, an hour is coming when all, listen to this, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, friend, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, here is the basic nutshell of what will happen. Unless Jesus comes back before you die, you will die. And immediately upon your death, you will be, as Paul says, absent from the body and present with the Lord. In other words, your soul, when you die as a believer, your soul will go immediately to be with Jesus, while your body will remain inanimate in death. At the wider harvest of the resurrection, that is still coming, your physical body will be reunited with your soul. God is going to do that. And the whole of you, the whole of you, will live an indestructible physical life. An indestructible physical life. And you will live that life not in an ethereal heaven, but on the earth, on the renewed earth. Your eternity, believer, will be physical. It will be material. It will be earthy. You will live on the renewed earth, which will merge with heaven, according to the book of Revelation. This is undoubtedly the teaching of the New Testament, which I dare say goes against 
uh, is contrary to many of the, the sort of popular notions in folk Christianity. Your eternity, according to the New Testament, will be physical, material, earthy, on the new earth. I'm getting excited here. I can't wait. And believer, your, your risen physical body is going to be like Jesus' risen physical body. Hallelujah. It's Easter Sunday. Here's the blessed, I want you to listen to this blessed resurrection promise. This is a promise to you, believer, and it comes in Philippians 3.21. It says that Jesus will do what? He will transform your lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We talked earlier about how the risen body of Jesus has both continuity and discontinuity uh, with the body that he had prior to his rising. Well, the exact same thing is going to be true of us. First of all, let's talk about continuity. When God reunites your soul with your physical body, there will be continuity with the you that was before you died. So you won't get a wholesale lock, stock, and barrel replacement body. No. Your risen body will have some definite continuity with the you that you are now. And perhaps the best place for us to see the continuity factor is in 1 Corinthians 15, which is Paul's magnificent chapter on the resurrection. Now just ponder this with me for a moment. Uh, right now it's springtime. I'm so thankful because it's been a very long winter. Uh, it's springtime. Maybe some of you are planning to plant a flower garden. Let's say that you plant a zinnia seed. You take a zinnia seed and you bury that seed in the earth. That seed is a dead kernel. But from that seed will come a gorgeous zinnia flower. The zinnia flower that grows from the seed looks nothing like the seed. But yet, the flower has a definite continuity with the seed, right? The flower and the seed that it came from do have an organic continuity. Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul uses the metaphor of seed and plant as he talks about the burial and the resurrection of human beings. He speaks about the fact that our mortal bodies are buried in death, but then God brings life. God will bring the flower from that kernel, from that body that was buried. He will bring a transformed, everlasting, physical body out of the grave, the flower. And your raised body will be, um, I, words fail me. It will be amazingly different and it will be glorious. But still, there will be a continuity between the body that is raised and the body 
that was buried. Listen closely to the word that Paul uses in verse 52 of this same 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Paul uses the word changed, changed, to describe our resurrected body. Changed. Note that word very carefully. He says, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Note that word. Again, it's not that we get a total 100% replacement body. It's that our current body will be changed into something glorious and imperishable, transformed into something truly amazing. And in verse 53, he goes on to give us the metaphor of clothing. Now, let me ask you a question here. What happens with your current body when you clothe yourself, when you put on a jacket or when you put on a shirt or a dress? Uh, what happens to your physical body? Do you change out of your whole body every time you clothe yourself? Well, of course you don't. But with the new clothing on, with the, the hat and the jacket and perhaps the jewelry on, ladies, uh, you look different. Your, your whole appearance has changed. Paul says in verse 53, the, this perishable body, that is, the body that I have right now as I preach, the body that you have right now as you listen, each of us right now is subject to aging, to decay, to death. This perishable body must put on the imperishable, must put on the imperishable. That is, we must put on the resurrection body. And he says, this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come, the pass, come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen and hallelujah. It's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. So our current perishable body will be clothed with an imperishable body. There will be a continuity between the two. Again, in Philippians 3.21, listen to the language. Paul says that Jesus will transform our lowly body. Transform our lowly body. He will transform our current body. He won't replace it wholesale. He will transform it to be like his glorious body. Just as it was with Jesus Christ, and the continuity between his pre-resurrection body and his post-resurrection body, so it will be, friends, with us. However, <laughs> and I want you here to marvel at this with me on this Resurrection Sunday and, and get excited about it. I hope the Spirit will do that for us. At the same time that there will be this continuity there will also be a glorious discontinuity. Your resurrected body will be transformed so radically 
so remarkably that it will make you, I think, in that moment, it'll make you have to sit down in utter shock. Seriously. Let's look at what he says in verse 42 of this chapter. Paul says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, that is, what is buried in the cemetery, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. <laughs> Note that word. Believer, your resurrected body that you will walk on God's new earth with for, for trillions of years, trillions upon trillions of years, that resurrected body will not be subject to decay. Can you imagine it? Not subject to decay. You will not be subject to the pains of aging and death. Imperishable. Paul says, it, so meaning the body, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Now, I am only 50 years old, but I have sore joints more and more these days. My eyes are both um, over minus six on the diopter scale now. My hair is receding, if you haven't noticed, and my teeth are starting to break down. I think I need a root canal and at least one molar. I am tending toward the grave. Maybe only 30 or 40 years left if God should grant those years to me. The body is sown in weakness. It is raised, says Paul, in power. In power. I wonder if in my resurrected body, Will I finally be able to bench press 400 pounds for 6,000 reps? <laughs> I wonder. Raised in power. Verse 44. It is sown, put into the grave, a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Now notice this, Paul contrasts here the natural body with the spiritual body. What is he talking about here with this talk of spiritual body? Notice very carefully that he does not say here that the resurrected person is composed simply of spirit. No. Instead, he says that the resurrected person in Christ is a spiritual body. Notice that very carefully. The resurrected person is physical. He or she has a body, but now it is a spiritual body. In other words, the resurrected body you will have as a believer will be a body that is fitted and suited and adapted to live in the final destination on the new earth face-to-face -face with God for eternity. The resurrected spiritual body of the believer is a physical body that will be dominated, it will be animated by the Spirit of God. 
The resurrected body, as Simon Kistemacher has put it, will be a person who is spirit-filled and spirit-governed from head to toe in a way that we are not now. Amen. I want you to notice also here that at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that it must be this way. Not it might be this way, or it could be this way, or should be this way, but it must be this way. He says in verse 53, For this perishable, bo perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. There is a mustness, a necessity to the resurrection of believers uh, to this indestructible, eternal, physical life. Why a necessity? Well, two reasons. First of all, as Anthony Hokema has written, quote, It is impossible for us in our present state of being, in our present bodies, weak and perishable as they are, to inherit the full blessings of the life to come. There must be change, close quote. Yes. We must undergo the transformation of resurrection if we would live into the eternal blessing of God. And secondly, it is necessary for the perishable to put on the imperishable precisely because of where Paul goes next in 1 Corinthians 15. In verses 54 and 55, we have that famous passage, the taunting of death, the trash-talking that happens in death's direction. Listen, on that great and glorious day when we as believers are raised physically to everlasting life, it will be, listen, it will be the final signal to death that it has been defeated and overthrown forever. Therefore, it is necessary for believers to be clothed with the immortal and the imperishable. It will signal the final and the complete overthrow of death. Hallelujah. That started at the, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Get ready for it. It's coming. Well, we need to stop here because of time. I, I want to end now with a very practical application um, in all this talk of resurrection. So as we close... I invite you to focus your eyes with me on the very last verse of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Paul has just guided us through this magnificent, uh, sweeping journey of resurrection. And the last thing he says in this section is, Therefore, in other words, Considering all that we have just said about the promise of your future resurrection as a believer, therefore, my beloved, be steadfast. When? Well, be steadfast now, today, on April 12, 2020, and be immovable. When? Now, in the present. And be abounding in the work of the Lord now, knowing that in the Lord your Labor, your current labor, is not in vain. 
1 Corinthians 15 is mostly about the future resurrection, but Paul ties that to the present now as the chapter ends. And so the idea is, because of the resurrection of, of life, the resurrection to life is true, because it is coming for you, believer, what you do now in your physical body has tremendous significance that is going to last into your eternal future with God. You're making breakfast every day for your child. Your hard work on your job. The hospitality that you give to a broken person. The teaching that you do. The praying that you do. The artwork to the glory of God that you do. The music to the glory of God that you play. The love that you give to your neighbor. All of it matters because of the fact of the resurrection. I end now with the words of N.T. Wright, who has written some very important volumes on the resurrection. I don't agree with Wright on every theological matter, but here I think he really nails this. He says this, quote, Every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation, every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, every act of care and nurture, of comfort and support, for one's fellow human beings, and for that matter, one's fellow non-human creatures. And of course, every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, that builds up the church, that embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. All of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God, into the new creation that God will one day make. Close quote. My friends, go forth on this Easter Sunday and love your neighbor and love God. And in everything, in everything that you do, look with fantastic excitement to the resurrection. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come under you as our Lord. We thank you for the Lamb who was slain and who stands right now at the throne of God, stands because the slain Lamb is risen. We thank you for your power, O God, for your victory, for your majesty for your greatness in the cross and in the resurrection, and for all of what that means very practically for us right now and in the future. We praise you for Easter. We praise you for Jesus. Walk with us closely for the rest of this day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.